Hello, everyone. I'm Ben West. And I'm Matthew Cantrell. Welcome to... You know what's funny is I, I want to do an episode with you on this because it, it came up earlier today. Um, I'm not saying this should be today's episode because I know we kind of talked about some stuff, but I'd be down for it. But um, I was talking to somebody today. They did a Bible study. I think I mentioned this at a Chosen episode. There's a, people at the church who are doing a Bible study about Chosen where they watch Chosen and they have like uh, small group questions to go with it. And they like watch the episode, break them in tables, talk about what it meant, read some of the scripture from it. Um, and they've been doing this Bible study with it. And this next week's meeting is the most recent episode. So they're like, what are we going to do next? Mm. So we're like talking about like, what do they want to do next? Do they want to do like, there's a St. Peter Bible study I mentioned to them. There was like another Bible study they were looking at. And um, then they, they asked their people and they were like, we would actually like to just go through Chosen again. And it's like, oh, ah. so like from episode one to now, like, because it it's, like you said, you, you revisit something and you're like, mm. wow, I'm, I'm experiencing it differently. And I thought, I do that. Like, I know a lot of people. <laughs> it, they, to, the, it, to the max. <laughs> right. But it's like, I know a lot of people like don't like, um, like the same thing. Like they want to see what the next cool thing is, blah, blah. And like, mm. But like, to me, I think there's something really valuable. And maybe it's just like a personality thing. But I think there's something really valuable for me, at least. And like, uh, sometimes I'll finish a book and I'll immediately start it again. And then it's, it mm -hmm. is, it's a different experience. Um, sometimes it's that I sped through it cause I just was voracious about it. And then like, now it's like, I want to like really like mull over it and like really enter into it. I don't know, still find details Chew that, it. you know, yeah, yeah. I really enjoy that part of it. Um, but then there's other times where it's like, you know, I just want to experience that a second time, um, for whatever reason. Now like go back and revisit book series when I'm like finish another book and I'm like, what am I going to listen to next before I like go and buy a new audiobook or something or use one of my credits for it? I'll like sometimes look back. What do I already have? Oh, I want to do this one again. Or like, oh, this would be fun to like go back through the series. And I realized like, I don't know, like my favorite series are the ones they became my favorite series the third or fourth time I read it because it's just like you find so much value in like the revisiting of it. And like, yeah. it's almost like having a favorite place you go to. Um and you like know it very well and like I don't know. So I, I find yeah. it to be interesting to see that like there can sometimes be a benefit and just like going back to the same thing. Um totally. Instead of just like going to the next new thing, which is still fine. Like there's great stuff out there. I'm not saying just like sit with the same boring old stuff, but it's like I know I've never been sad when I've gone back through Lord of the Rings. <laughs> like I've never been sad when I've like right, right. reread Ender's Game, like we mentioned in the last episode, you know. So um Yeah. I don't know like dude i mean there's like all kinds of things to say about that um what's kind of coming to mind is that there are there's on the one hand like a nostalgia factor so i know for myself there's um i listen sometimes to the band foster the people um and there was this really pivotal experience not not, not even pivotal it's just sort of like a standout experience where um it was immediately after the birth of my first child and I was on a work trip to a uh, convention to a, like a conference um, for for my work uh, and it was I was driving from San Diego to LA and when I say immediately I think it was like three to five months after she was born so I'm driving from San Diego to LA which is about a two-hour drive um, and Foster the People had just dropped a new album called Sacred Hearts Club 
and I listened to it on the drive and I loved it. And it just became this sort of like sense memory that was associated with everything that was happening at that time. Mm. So like in that order, that was, that's how I, like I listened to Sacred Hearts Club and I remember the birth of Lucy and I remember driving to that conference. I remember staying with some friends who lived in LA and, and sharing good times with them because then I would commute from their house to the the convention center and would listen again to, I was listening on repeat to this album. It wasn't super long. And so there is like, like it holds a place in my mind and is now relevant to me in a unique way, more so than on its artistic merits, um, but also sort of like supplemented by those merits. Um, and, and that's on the one hand, like a very human reason, I think, to want to go back through things. But the other thing that's coming to mind, not that you were asking for this, I'm just. No, I, <laughs> well, it's like I said, you. like I, I could see us doing a whole episode on this, like and, you know, talking about it. But I'm not saying we have to do that yeah. now, but I'm I've just been thinking about this more, too. Yeah, no, I'm I'm having fun. Let's let's keep it going. Uh, the the second reason I'm thinking of is like a metaphysical reason, which is that what is true is like substantially true, and there's a lot to kind of unpack there. But I think it's like when we experience something that has a sort of like correctness about it, and is is in touch with something that goes beyond ourselves and beyond that place, and beyond our time, um, there's like an alignment of layers where it's like the universe is kind of like composed of all these moving pieces and everything just sort of like shifts into alignment for a moment and becomes like its most substantial. And when I say substantial, I mean, think of like dense, right? Where it's like there there is like lots of reality packed into a moment or an item or a thing or an experience. Mm. Um, this, this is Ben's theory. Uh, so <laughs> this isn't philosophically vetted really, but that that's like, so I, I think that's like a way that to, to sort of like have your radar on for, for truth is, is when you're sort of in that position of alignment where it's not just like, oh yeah, that kind of strikes me as nice in this moment. But like, I feel like there's something beyond me and beyond my comprehension in this that I'm sort of like getting a glimpse of, and I'm getting that glimpse partially right like in in an incomplete way but for something like a story um like we've talked before a little bit about archetypes and i we we haven't done like a fully you know a a full unpack of of what an archetype is but it's like kind of a quick definition would be like those things that are true of characters and stories um repeatedly that that you know come up time and again in the way that we communicate our narratives and so because those things are coming up over and over in stories and that there's like these patterns where things continue like human behavior continues to go in certain ways there's this alignment where it's not just the way that a person acts it's the way that people act and you you can build those all together so it's like it's not just the way that people act it's the way that nations act or it's the way that families act or it's the way that men act or whatever and so you're having these moments of like dense and substantial alignment um that that expand beyond the experience you're having Mm -hmm. and so when you experience something like that your experience of it is necessarily partial and i think i've i've kind of explained this to you before where like vision is about more than uh like optical input Mm -hmm. it's about like uh uh ingesting meaning and so when you're driving down a street 
you are looking at the houses, but you're not really looking at the houses. You're looking at the information that's relevant to you because the world is just bursting at its seams with information and you have a limited capacity to understand that information. And so you're paying attention to the things like it's this very finely uh, partitioned and kind of selective way of looking where you're, you acknowledge that there's a certain amount of things you're not going to know. And so you're paying attention to the things that are most important for you to know in that moment. Like as I'm driving down the street, are any kids going to run in front of my car? Am I going to make the correct turn at the next stop sign? Those kind of things. And so if you're looking at the houses, what you're seeing with your vision is not the house itself, but like the concept of a house. So door, windows, roof, probably white siding, probably gray roof, right? And uh, you don't really like notice that until you see a house that like jumps out. Mm -hmm. You're like, is that a gnome on the front lawn? Or like, do they... Are there Halloween decorations on every floor of that house? (laughs) And so those are things that sort of like shock you out of that because the icon doesn't fit the pattern. Hmm. So when you're reading a really true story or something that's really impactful or is really like touched on something that is more than superficial and is more than true in sort of an isolated circumstance, you are caught in this like uh, paradoxical situation where there's like an overflow of importance there's there's this surplus of amazing things to pay attention to and you have a finite capacity to perceive them and so you're paying attention to the things that are standing out to you on that reading but you like there's no possible way to have gotten it all right in that reading and so by going back through you now expand your view having added something to the known category it's like a minecraft map for anyone who's played minecraft you're like you get a blank canvas But as you walk around, it fills in the things that you've seen. And so you can, there are certain things that you don't have to worry about anymore because you've already seen them and you can reference them again later. But there's other things that you need to go and explore again for the first time. So when you're reading through Lord of the Rings again, you may have really been paying attention to the character of Frodo, but now you're really noticing how much Aragorn is like a central figure in the story more than you thought before. Whoever was standing out to you, right? Or Mm -hmm. like Tom Bombadil. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Or or others. (laughs) And so there's like on those repeated viewings or, or readings or watchings of things, you're, you're able to expand the known territory of your Minecraft map as you're experiencing this substantial reality. And that is Ben's theory about rewatches. No, I, I completely agree that like there are certain things that, um, well, to me, it, it really is like when you go find somewhere that's so beautiful and you just want to go back to that place. And like, I don't know mm-hmm. about you, it, I did this a lot more when I was younger, but I still do it to to different degrees is I would like go to the same place over and over again and just like explore it and enjoy it. And like every facet of it, like just kind of like making it almost like a home where it was just like, I know this thing, you know, really, really thoroughly. And like, so some of that was like, there was like a nature park near us and I always wanted to go to that nature park. And some of my friends would be like, cool. Yeah, let's go. And I'd be like, I don't know if I want to go out there again. It's like, but I just loved going there and I would go there on my own. I would just like walk around. I'd walk the same trail and I'd see like the pond that was there and I'd like climb down to the creek and I like knew some of the different trees and like had favorite trees that were there. And like there were five different paths to get to the place I like to end up in the nature path, like all these different things to, to the point where like I can explore it in detail in my mind and be correct about it. Um, <laughs> it's like it becomes this like you interiorize this thing that you grow to love 
and and rereading a book is like that where it's like I'm getting to like experience this again and like soak it in and like really enjoy it and like I think that that we do that especially with things that um <laughs> this is a word that I like multiple people use it but I maybe like overuse it but it's because I feel like it like <laughs> I, I like what it expresses. And so I, I'll often say, ooh, that really resonates with me because blah, blah, blah. Like I use the word resonate frequently because when something has resonance, it's like this frequency that when it catches the right thing, it can create sound or like it, it like captures that like frequency amplifies. and amplifies it. Right, exactly. Mm. And so like there are certain things that just like resonate with us that like, oh, that like I read that book and it like resonate. And I think that, you know, you were mentioning earlier how there's like, you know, the individual experience, but also the communal experiences, like people are communal and social beings, like human beings are communal. And so we do have common and shared experiences, um, which is why like, you know, when people share stories about their own lives and it, it connects with other people, it really matters. And like uh, we were just in, you know, a baptism class for uh, parents who are baptizing their kids. And um, uh, one of the moms got up and uh volunteer she got up and she shared about being a first-time mom and how you know difficult it can be and like how you know she wanted to be like the perfect mom and she was like really hard on herself and they're, they're like you're exhausted and you're just trying your best and like she's like exper like explaining this whole thing and every single parent like the dads and the moms are all nodding and like you can see it's resonating with them and then when we have small group time and it's like did anything stand out? The entire thing. Like, that's exactly how I feel. <laughs> it's like, there's these common things where when you experience something together, there's like this, like, I'm not the only one who's experiencing mm -hmm. that. It, and we long for that kind of connection and to to see that. Um, and sometimes in our culture, I think in, in probably a negative way, um, mm -hmm. uh, there's like a very hyper-individualistic attitude where I have to be mm. my own individual. It's like, well, it's good that it's true that you are your own unique individual. God God has not created a copy of you 300 years ago that acted just like you and thought just like you. It's like you are in your own way this incredibly, incredibly unique person. Um, and that's important to celebrate that. But at the same time, the we can't get away from the fact that we are communal beings and we need one another and we... We long to connect with each other, but sometimes I feel like that hyper individualism is like, it's not good to connect with other people. If someone else has experienced what I've experienced, it makes me feel inadequate or it makes me feel competitive towards them, or I feel like I have to trump them or like nuance it to where like, it's not actually the same thing. And it's like, not everyone does that, but I think that sometimes we do do that. And it's like, ah, you don't need to do that. Like you're <laughs> still, you're still you and the awesome individual you are even if you're experiencing the same thing that everyone else is experiencing. And so I'm not saying we all do that, but I have seen that hyper-individualism seep in sometimes. And it's like, even in myself, and it's like, oh no, it's cool to admit when I'm experiencing something someone else experienced, especially if it's a weakness or it makes us look imperfect. Mm. Like we we don't always want to resonate with that, but it's like so helpful when we do, when people can just speak it. Cause finally you're like, yes. Oh, finally someone's saying it. It's hard. Like yeah. I've been like, putting on this yeah. facade but it turns out that other people feel this way and now i can talk about it and like that's so important um but all that to say is like that when we find that human connection and things that resonate with us it it's something that's good to to sit with and, and to to 
look at what is that that's connecting me to this and to go back to those places where you find that. And so when we experience art, I think that that's something that like the repetition going back to those places that have affect us. And this kind of goes hand in hand with our last episode. What were stories that shaped you? Um, like, it's good to go back. And sometimes you go back and it's like, wow, I wish I hadn't come back. Like, but, you know, like, it was better in my mind than it was in reality. I wonder what it was about that that I liked so much. Um, or I've, I've grown so much that that no longer has the same profound impact it used to because I found things that are more profound and I've matured so much. Like, you know, mm-hmm. um, I've done that with a lot of music that I used to listen to all the time. I'll go back uh, and I'm like, oh, that's funny. I listened to that. Like that meant so much to me before, but now it's just kind of like quaint. Um, but isn't that, I mean, but, that reminds me of Plato's Cave. Um, that Because I've definitely had similar experiences where there's, for a quick refresher for anyone who isn't familiar, there's this analogy that he uses of like knowledge and philosophy and and how it's like you're the, the unphilosophized like you, you kind of start out in a cave chained to a wall looking at shadow puppets and thinking that that's reality. But to be unchanged from the wall, you see that the, the puppets are shadow puppets and you also have a guide who's sort of like bringing you up towards real reality um, and, and the outside world essentially. And as you're ascending the steps, it's so bright that you like can't tolerate it. And you're like, no, I want to go back down to the cave. But when you get up there, you can't imagine going back and your eyes have adjusted to the sunlight. And so to go back into the cave, it looks dark and dim and dingy because you can now uh, survey it in comparison to this brilliance of of the real, the real world. Yeah. I, I was talking to someone recently um, who he, he just kind of had a, a reconversion experience where he like, you know, grew up Christian, but then he got into just some crazy stuff and... Um, wasn't really sure like if he ever really believed any of it of course like it was young when he like made those decisions and then um he was saying like now that i've come back into my faith and like had a real experience with god and i'm like it's i can't stop seeing him everywhere it's like i mm-hmm. I, I it's like i have woken up and i can't go back to sleep like That's i beautiful. you can't unsee this like i'll never be able to go back because the the spiritual world is I see it around me now. Not like he's seeing like necessarily yeah. like, but like it's Angels just like, and demons. <laughs> right. Although, you know, that there's always a possibility that you can have like these supernatural encounters and stuff. But like the idea yeah. that he's like conveying is um, like, how do you go back? Um, it's kind of like the, you yeah. actually mentioned this earlier. We talked about the different house and stuff. Like it's called the, the, a Bader-Meinhof phenomenon. Don't ask me how I remember that from a psychology <laughs> class. That's the reason I remember it. It's because they talk about the frequency illusion, which is you see something or hear something once oh. and then you start seeing it everywhere. And you're like, now all of a sudden it's all over the place. And it's like, right. Like you buy a white van and then suddenly you see every white yes, van on the highway. Exactly. <laughs> or like you hear, yeah. you hear a certain word or phrase and then you start to hear it all the time. And you're like, everyone's using that word now. And it's like, actually that word was always there. You just had, you, you can't, you can't take everything in. And it kind of comes back to what we're right. talking about. It's like, you can't take everything in around you. But once you start to, and you grow in things, sometimes it's not the effect we were talking about earlier where you go back and it's like, I I appreciate that even more now. Like, and I know we always talk about Lord of the Rings, but that's how it was for me. Like, I <laughs> watched the movies as a kid, read the books, watched the animated ones that were not as good um, before <laughs> the movies came out. 
and like um you know like i loved them but i i can't even like comprehend how i could have really enjoyed them because i i barely understood them now i look at it now how much i love it and i'm like man like young matthew had didn't even know what he was touching and holding and now <laughs> and and yet he still enjoyed it but like i enjoy it even more now right um by going back because the thing that connected with me as a child like it's now even more profound because i have more experience i have more that i've seen and grown in i have more capacity to experience this thing and appreciate it for what it is and i think that's what good art does is Dude, that it absolutely it's something that it, it matures alongside you it's like good wine and the, there's some art that's like cheese <laughs> and like you know um cheese or, or milk actually milk is a better analogy i was gonna say <laughs> where it's like yeah nice but if if you come back to it after a while if you leave it on the counter <laughs> so you know and it, well that's like you mentioned the music not not holding up i think like the definition of a good not the definition of a good, like the mark of a good story is one that you come back to and it's a richer experience but if you come back to it and it's like yeah, i probably could do without that i'd say that's like that's a fault in the story i don't think that's you just being too old it, yeah like you should, somewhat you should be able like, to read and a, well because like I, I would say if you and I'm not going to make any sort of claim on this, but if you read Pooh as a kid, and like Winnie the Pooh, and you're like, oh man, I loved Winnie the Pooh, and you've got that nostalgia factor, you've got that that first kind of phenomenon, I mean, but then you come back to it again as an adult, and you're like, wow, this is actually like psychologically rich, mm -hmm. and this is something that kind of formed and equipped me for life. Then it's like, okay, yeah, I think we can say that's a good story. I agree. I think that's so true that like the things that mature and that that are like profound over time. That's like that's the heart of good art. And then there's some things that it's like, and I think you're right, that maybe this is like either it's constrained by what they were trying to do or they weren't like making good art. That's an arguable element too. That, that yeah. It's not timeless yeah. to the sense that like, um, not that it withstands the ages, like because some things can do that that still aren't necessarily good, but it's more of like that it's, it's also timeless in the sense that no matter what age you are when you encounter it, it can be something that's like helpful and, and good. Yeah. Um, Cause there's stuff like, like so some of the music I'm thinking of is like, it's, it's written for people in that life stage, like teenage, like uh, angst yeah. and stuff like that. It's like, I'm not yeah. a teenager anymore, nor do I want to be. And when I was right. a teenager, this definitely resonated with me, um, <laughs> but I'm no longer a teenager. And so the, and these artists are no longer teenagers and they probably look back at that and they're like, golly you know like cringing at themselves like you know how angsty they were for like some of the like uh punk music that i used to listen to oh i'm sure it's like you know uh i don't know blink is still touring yeah they are yeah <laughs> um you know uh and some of those are those angsty teen songs that are like you know and they're still stuck playing them 40 years later yeah <laughs> so like there's some things i think that are like timeless in the sense that it's for that specific group that like there's some things that like when you're a teenager like this is true, no matter whether you're a teenager a thousand years ago, 500 years ago, now in the future, there's certain things that just in that adolescent phase that are going to be similar human experiences that some art is going to speak to. Um, and like, so if you're an adult and you're reading, you know, Harry Potter or even like Percy Jackson, um, mm -hmm. like you're not going to enjoy, I, maybe I could be wrong, but I have a but feeling that you're not going to enjoy it as much as you would if you were a kid. Like I was 11 when Harry Potter came out and I grew up with him. Like I was the same age as him every summer when the books came out. And yeah. so 
like I was I was growing alongside him and I was the same age as him. And it was like going through these same kind of things to where like it felt like we were on the same journey as each other. Whereas like an adult reads it, they can still resonate with it. Um, but like I was older when the Percy Jackson series came out and I listened to it because it's like kids are reading this right now. I'm in youth ministry. Like, and I, I even wrote a confirmation talk that we've Percy Jackson stuff into it and the kids like ate it up. Um, <laughs> but, uh, like, so I, I, I kept up with certain things, um, because of the ministry I was doing that I wouldn't have, but I definitely didn't enjoy it as much as I was enjoying things that were more for like where I was at in my maturity. So I'm not saying that Rick Riordan did a bad job on those books or that they weren't good books. It was just that they were written for kids and for teens and I was no longer that. And so it didn't have the same platform to land on as it does for kids. So I want to give like credit to that. But I think that there are some pieces of art that like are timeless and ageless in that sense that it's like if you have the maturity to experience it, like you're going to get something beautiful out of it. Um, and ultimately, I think that comes back to the name of our podcast, like Echoes of Eternity, like our, mm, our theory that yeah. there are echoes of the eternal things in everything that we do, especially in, in the art that we encounter. And it's like, man, like the gospel, like the story of Christ, like yeah. it's, you Beauty know. ever ancient, ever new. That is such a good, beautiful way of saying it. I love when Augustine says that. Um, and like, yeah, it is. It's like ever ancient and ever new. It's like the first time you ever heard it, but also you can hear it a thousand times and never gets old. Um, Dude, and that's even to to tie a sort of biblical practice or a scriptural practice to what we're like the content of what we're talking about here. Lexio Divina yeah. uh, is is one of those things. It's like fully acknowledges how fruitful that repetition can be mm-hmm. by. And for, I mean, for those unfamiliar, it's, it's reading a passage of scripture aloud and then pausing to kind of reflect and pray on that and then reading it through again. And sometimes, I mean, I'm, I'm imagining it's typically like three to four times that it's read. I, I have, I'm not it depends. a frequent participant. Like, so there's, there's four parts to it. Um, three that are like sequential if you're doing it kind of like, especially in a group, you follow the sequence um, mm-hmm. and add time in there. But then the fourth is like the point of it. And so the first part it's all in Latin, but like the, the English words, I'll translate for it. So there's Lectio, which is reading. So Lectio Divina, divine reading, that the scripture is the divine word of God. And so you pick a passage of scripture and the Lectio section is where you read that passage of scripture and ask the Holy Spirit to prompt a word or a phrase or a particular part of that reading. You like, let, let the Lord speak it to you. You don't pick your favorite part yourself. You say, Lord, what should I focus on here? Like, what, what word do you have for me in your word right now? And yeah. you find that word, phrase, sentence, theme, whatever it is, and you read through the scripture. The way when I've done it in groups, we usually have two or three read throughs of the scripture. Um, and if someone has a different translation of the Bible, I always like to invite them. Like, what is your like? Can if, if someone else has a different translation, read it um, because like you might hear it in the RSV, you know, Revised Standard Version, and then you hear the NAV version, or vice versa. And it's like, wow, that word stuck out to me that time I heard it. Um, right. And so you kind of get that opportunity to hear it in different ways. And um, and then you move into the second part, which is the meditatio or the meditation. And meditation, at least in the Catholic tradition, um, and these were Benedictine monks who put together the idea of Lexia Divina. Meditation is 
letting God speak to you mm-hmm. and listening to him. Just like prophecy, when you hear something's prophetic, it's like fortune telling kind of stuff. It's like, I knew the future. But like prophecy in the Christian tradition means so much more than that. It's God speaking his word to you and his words through his people, to, to through an individual to his people, right? And so like when St. Paul talks about, you know, prophecy, it's that God would give the word of prophecy or knowledge to someone that they then share for the edification of the church, either to an individual, to the whole community, to a group of people. But it's God is giving you a message to share, to bring about his will and his good. And sometimes that is something that's like about the future, but more often it's about what God is doing um, mm-hmm. in people's hearts well, and lives and, and stuff, you know. It's co- connected to meditation in it that it's a certain like a form of docility mm-hmm. like it's it's more an openness and letting god right. sort of like make his impression. yeah because meditation is one of those words that can mean a lot of different things when you say it so people might misconstrue it so that that's kind of the context for meditation is i'm going to let god speak to me it's like okay you pointed out this word let me know what it is and you dialogue with god sometimes like you some people journal when they do lexia divina so like the way I've done it when I've journaled is I I write what I feel God is speaking to me. And it's not like it's mm. scripture, right? Like it's not like I would like take these these <laughs> reflections and be like this is exactly what God spoke to me. Like it's it's my it, it's my intuition from my prayer of an actual like connection with God of what I feel that he's speaking to me. And when I've done that in a really prayerful way, I'll go back and read some of these reflections even years later when I was doing Lexia Divina more often, like my missionary team would do Lexi Divina regularly and stuff. I've gone back to some of those journals and I remember when I wrote it, it didn't mean a lot to me. I was like, that one, I remember writing this one like, and it didn't mean a lot to me, but I, I write, read it right then and I'm like, this is exactly what I needed to hear right now. And like the wow. Lord is speaking through it and it's like, he knew Keep your journals, that everyone. <laughs> six years later, I would be picking this up and connecting with it. Um, and it's the really interesting, like profound things and you can like see the Lord speak so, like, I write it that way. Other people write down just their into. So, I, like, write it as if it's, like, you know, the Lord saying it to me, recognizing that it's my personal human interpretation for private devotion. Um, but sometimes I'll share it and people will resonate with it as well. But, um, yeah. you know, so that's the meditation is letting God speak to you and dialoguing with him on that. And the, the third part is oratio, where you uh, – and, and that – oratio oration like is where that speaking um is what that means you're speaking back to god you're praying back to god um because also oratio is prayer like oremus is what they say in latin for like let us pray um yeah so um you have this time where you are speaking back to god and you're praying to god a commitment from what he said like if he's i i remember one of the most poignant lexi divinas i did was on um Matthew chapter six, when he talks about, uh, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. Your father knows your needs. And I remember just like that reflection. And that's one of those ones I've gone back to multiple times. And every time that was just one of the most profound reflections I've ever gotten in prayer. And every time I read it, it's beneficial to me. And those words from the Lord to speak to my heart, something that just really unpacks that scripture in, in such a powerful way for me. Um, I've just Lord assuring me of those things and assuring me of his, his presence in my life and his pr- provision and stuff. And then, and then the oratio is Lord help me to, to embrace that. I commit now to 
relying more on you than I do on myself and to trusting in you, even when it feels like you're not there. Um, and like all those different things, like you, you take that time to just like pray to the Lord and respond to him and like commit to him. And that's that. And then the fourth one I mentioned that can happen at any point in this, the Benedictine monks desire anyone who's doing this to, to find is um, what they call contemplatio. And in different traditions, especially in the Catholic tradition, the idea of prayer, like the highest form of prayer is contemplation, which is when you just encounter God's presence in such a real and powerful way in your life, like he's so near and you, you feel him present with you that they're like, stop journaling or reading the scriptures. This was the point. You're encountering mm, the Lord. Mm. Be with him. Don't work. Don't do. Be with the Lord. And that, that contemplation is the, just sitting there with the Lord and being with him and letting him speak to you or just be present to you. Um, and in some people's experiences, it, that can happen profoundly in prayer. You can be in a quiet place. You can be like in adoration. You just feel God come into your life. You can be having a profound moment on a retreat. You can be resting in the the Holy Spirit, which is something that often happens um, in, especially in a more charismatic um, element. Like this, you know, you hear of, oh, people rested in the Spirit, and that can be like people falling over, like. You know, and it, it's not Happens the every time I Vinny Hinn. Yeah, it's not the the Vinny Hinn <laughs> stuff where he's like pulls off his jacket and swings it around and people fall over like zombies, like that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, but it's this idea that you're letting God just be with you, and you're just submitting to that. You're just resting with the Lord and letting Him just work on your heart and be be present to you. And sometimes, like you're there, and sometimes it's like surgery where you're. You're not really like aware of what God's doing, but you know he's doing something. And like that can sound really weird to people, if we're being 100% honest. This idea of like, well, I need to know what God is doing. But it's like, that would be kind of like a surgeon doing surgery and you insist on staying awake so you can watch him do the surgery. It does not matter if you're awake or not. In fact, you being awake is probably going to make it worse. Like just let, (laughs) submit, lie back and let the Lord do what he's aiming to do because that's where the heart of trust is. And that's mm-hmm. often where we can like misconstrue what God's doing in our lives is we are trying to control it. We are the one who's God and we tell God how we allow him to be God in our lives. We give him a, a certain area of our heart that he's allowed to work on, but he's not allowed to go to others, but we're the one who dictates how he acts, how he should act, what we request, what we do. And very few times do we actually submit and, and it's a, it's something you all have to fight to do because original, the, the sin of Adam and Eve, right, was not trusting the Lord. The serpent comes to them and is like, mm-hmm. oh, did he tell you that about the tree? That if you eat it, you'll die? No. If you eat it, you'll become God's yourself. You'll become like him and you won't need him anymore. He's just trying to hold you back. You can't trust him. And then they broke their relationship with God. Like the original sin came from that place of they didn't trust God to be God. And we do that all the time. Where we're like, well, God, I, I don't, I don't want to do what you're asking me to do because it might be uncomfortable or I might not be happy. And it's like, if God is asking you to do it, it will make you happier than anything else you choose to do with your life. Like if you believe who he is, if you believe he is what he says he is, then you submitting to anything he does to you is going to be helpful. Um, and recognizing that that, that was what he did, right? to be happy, he wants you to be happy. <laughs> yeah. And like even Jesus did this with the Lord in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, not my will, but yours be done. 
And he went as a, a lamb led to the slaughter. And he was silent and did not open his mouth. And it's like, that seems weak and that seems scary because it is scary. But in, in, in our weakness, we find our true strength. And that's the, the, the paradox of the Christian life is that when you lose your life, you find it not just dying, but surrendering yourself over to the Lord. It's actually surrendering yourself to him that you become free. And it's when we try to control ourselves that we remain a slave. And that's, it's difficult. It's so hard to really like take that from the practice idea or what we hear in the scriptures and actually implement that in our lives. But when we do, it's the most rewarding thing you can do. And you find that that transforms you. Um, but Dude, preach, man! That was that was some fire there. I I think to connect that to sort of the theme of of tonight, I think there's a certain pitch to be made here for reading the lives of the saints because um, it's like it's like seeing the gospel played out over and over in thousands of different lives, yeah. and you see the journey of of faith, and you see the workings of grace, and by it's like your the, your friend that you mentioned like when you see the way that he worked for St. Francis and for St. Benedict and for St. Rita, you're like, oh my goodness, I think I just noticed God working on me. <laughs> and it makes you aware of his workings and, and his his patterns of behavior and uh, helps give you the the hope for your own transformation. You're like, I can, I can be like them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. And just the scriptures that like that yeah. Hebrews uh, twelve four says the word of God is living and effective. Wait, not twelve four. I don't know. I I, I should know that. Do you even read the Bible? I know, right? <laughs> the, the The word of God is living and effective, sharper than any two edged sword. And like it is, it's it's living and effective. Like God speaks to us in it, and it's like I, I'll pick a theme verse for the year, and then I'll mm -hmm. I'll read it every single day. Like usually a chapter what? or something like that. I read it every day for the year, and there are some days, most days where it's like just the same old reading it again, right? Um, and it's like, cool, great, awesome. I read it again. That was nice. Um, no, yeah, 412, sorry, Hebrews 412. Um, but uh, so I'll read it and it's like, okay, I read it again. But then it's on, on day 200. I'll read it and find something brand new I've never noticed before. And I'm like, mm -hmm. what? But it's like, the more I've done that, I've been doing that for almost 12 years now. And like picking a theme verse for the year and like going through it. And like every single year, it's like there's some days where it's just reading it again. And it's like, that was nice. And there's other days where it's like, whoa, like I've never considered that or that's hitting my life in a different way than, than it did last time. So it's like coming back again and again to the scriptures, like that living word. And like in good art, I think it reflects that. That like it brings back, right? That like it, it's something that like almost like like, like it's alive and it acts with us because it it just resonates with things that are so true. Dude, I well, if you think about it, to tie it back to what we were t when we were talking about maturing, like between day one and day two hundred, what changed? Not the scripture; it was you. And so there's, I think, this element of to maybe I'll try to like tie a thread around this and see how much of this I can actually connect. But like, if we're like talking about if we're <laughs> We're going with my work in theory here of like the super substantial reality, like, like God philosophically and metaphysically being like the foundation of reality. God is, isness, And that's, that requires a lot of unpacking. Uh, but if we understand God to be being itself, he is the most substantial reality. 
and everything is based in him. And so uh, when it comes to like us living out our lives, it's really the story of us either conforming to him or deforming away from him. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's why like the scriptures can remain what they are and continue to be read and, and provide new insights and new things and new developments is it's because like it's working on you. And there are certain things that you are going to see now that you couldn't see before, but that the, the scriptures have worked on you in order to open your eyes to, they're leading you up out of the cave. And like you're saying, like the word of God is living and effective. It's like in the beginning was the word and the word was God. Like Jesus Christ right. is the word. And so like Jesus Christ is actively working in your life to help conform you to the most substantial, most foundational reality, which is himself. And every day is the story of that playing it, playing out with us seeing it or, or not seeing it, getting it, not getting it, <laughs> acting against it or acting with it. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. That like, you know, uh, St. Paul tells the the people of Athens when he gives his, his speech to them that God is not far from any one of us, that he's right there. Um, and he he's waiting to be present in our lives and he speaks to us and the Holy Spirit speaks to us um, through, through different facets and modems in our life. And it's kind of like that young man and I were talking about is like, now that I'm awake, I can't go back to sleep. Like now that I see these things, like I can't not see it. Like it transforms your world. And you start to see that like in everything around you. And especially again, like that's one of our hopes for even having this conversation within ourselves, but that any of us, when we encounter art or, or creative elements, they were finding those echoes of eternity, like the echoes of the, the eternal beauty of God in those things. And that we can like, seek that and look into that more fully and you know recognize that again like the best art is the art that's going to do that kind of stuff for us that it's going to um if it's true good or beautiful then it's going to connect with god in some way and mm -hmm. if it if it's connected with god it's connected with the eternal and and it can always have that uh, effect on us yeah absolutely i uh i remember i'm remembering a uh, faux pas i made earlier in the episode that I wanted to make sure that people know that I'm not dumb. I said that uh, Blink-182 was playing songs 40 years after, <laughs> after they had started. And Blink-182 has not been playing songs for 40 years. Just so everyone knows, I just pulled the number out and it was 40. And I know, I know that that's, that's the case. And I think what I was, was I was like, they're probably like around 40-ish, right? So I was like thinking of their age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The number of years they'd been together. Yeah, no, because they... <laughs> Ah, what like early nineties, like mid nineties yeah. when they came out. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, turn turn of the century, I think. Yeah, um, but I was never a hardcore listener. Yeah, I, I just know a few of them, but I went to the farewell tour anyways because um, it was actually a birthday present to my one of my brothers. We went to uh, oh fun because um, it was uh, All American Rejects, Fall Out Boy, and then oh Blink One Eighty Two. Gosh, and he he really liked Fall Out Boy. Um, but we, it was just going to be a concert no matter what. So we went, um, and all American rejects was crazy. They are way better live than they are on their album. <laughs> but the lead singer, I don't even know his name, like came out in nothing but bright blue, whitey tidies. Like, and that was it. Oh, and he was clearly oh, just wasted. 
and he's Pre-gamed. saying like what the heck is going on it was really good um but again okay. like i'm not condoning his behavior but it was like no. holy cow he is that was an experience they were way better live and then fall Out boy came out and I'm disappointed like they they weren't as good live as they are on an album but i don't know if it was just that particular day or whatnot but, I, but both of us were kind of like ah oh, they weren't as good live and then blink 182 came out it was like man that's really good but we didn't say super long because um like we left early because uh, there were a lot of people drinking and um, mm. getting high and stuff. And it was nope. a crazy parking lot and crazy highway back. And we were like, let's beat the traffic. Um, yeah. And we did. And Good we're call. both still here to talk about it. So I guess it worked. Hey. But no, that That's, was a fun uh, concert. Simil- yeah. Similar. I, I My first concert, actually one of maybe like a handful that I've even been to was a Fall Out Boy concert. Oh, yeah. And I... I had not listened to Fall Out Boy before that. Like, I think I knew Thanks for the Memories and maybe like one or two other songs, but um, was not by any means like a diehard listener. And uh, my roommate was like, oh my gosh, I love Fall Out Boy. They're coming out with this new album. We got to go. And I was like, sure. Sounds like fun. Uh, Opening for Fall Out Boy was Panic at the Disco. Oh, wow. Yeah. Who similarly, I had heard like one or two songs and I was like, I can get into this. This is fine. Uh, But opening for them was 21 pilots oh that's and they cool. were the, they were the sleeper yes because th- we we saw some people uh at the concert who were like hey like who did you come to see we we heard like we came to see 21 pilots we're like i've never heard of 21 pilots i don't know what you're talking about and we walked out of that concert going 21 pilots was far and away the best yeah. part of that concert like they were they weren't bright blue whitey tidies they were no <laughs> they were doing backflips off the piano wow that's, they that's they, cool they do live shows insane. Like I really like their music for their music, but it's it's like very clearly like these two were made for live performance and there's no world where they're not going to be still performing. Oh, that's energy. cool. That's cool. They just brought such energy and such like authenticity it, and and the music was was really killer. So P- Panic and Fallout had like some good moments, um but it was just it was hilarious how hard it was to top the opening act. <laughs> That's hilarious. That that's cool, because um, they they are they're incredible. And like when you get to catch someone before they're like really big is kind of a fun element. Because like you can kind of like have the oh I was there, but also it's like you can experience them before there's kind of hype around them. It's like oh yeah. they're just yeah. they're because whether you listen to Twenty One Pilots for the first time after hearing this, you're like oh wow they are really good. Or if you like you have known about them, do. it's like they're good. But there's something about like when you find something and you're like, oh, wow, that was really neat. And then like it becomes popular. You're like, I was kind of there for that. Like, I don't know. It's again, that communal element we were talking about that people have. But I had a friend who went to, um, I think they're from Columbus, Ohio. And he went to the same university that they were at and they would perform on campus. And their EPs were going around. Like their original set they're putting out. So he knew about them. And when I served, I was roommates with him as a missionary. He'd play their music. And I decided to just hear it like, uh, Golden House, what is the name of that one? Um, uh, House, House of Gold, Gold yes. Um, and some of those other earlier ones that they did, mm-hmm. like he had that playing on repeat in our, like Dude. I knew their stuff because he would play it all the time. But I knew it was just like, oh yeah, that's like Jotham's music he plays. Um, right. <laughs> and then, but I liked it too. I was like, oh, these guys are good, but I didn't even remember the band name. I just knew right. the music because he would play it. And finally I was like, what's their name again? He's like 21 Pilots. I was like, that's cool. I like them. And then it was like two years later that they like, hit it and everyone was listening to them and i was like it's those guys that jotham like <laughs> i don't i don't think he knew them but like he he just knew of them because they were on campus right. and it was like 
that's so funny. Like that it was just kind of like in passing that, that he'd just be playing them right nonstop. And it was like, well, here they are. So I didn't feel like I was like on the bandwagon like before because it was like I was just casual, just like I I was just there because by accident. But like it right. still was kind of cool. Where it's like, oh wow, that's crazy. These guys are like actually making it good for them. That's so cool. And then I yeah. actually got really into their music and I really like them now. But. Nice. Yeah. Well, it's like you mentioned like being there you sort of like feel like you have like a, a little bit of a card to flex on people that's like oh yeah i like went to a concert like three years ago with them so i'm really cool yeah <laughs> and i tried to, i tried to do that at work and uh the guy that i was telling it to is like hey so like i actually like shot some of their music videos when oh. they were still like in college or like in high school and college and i was like oh okay i'm not as cool that's, as that <laughs> that's funny I, i've had that happen a few times where it's like Oh, I'm like an OG, and they're like, I'm even more OG than you are, or like I know them right. Like that. You know them. Uh, That's I can't even imagine how great of a mind space this is. Yeah, it's just like, that's... I am so OG. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, man. it's that's pretty funny when this is this has been a blast, man. Yeah, I've really enjoyed this episode. <laughs> I have as well. Really fun, um, and I, I just might listen to it over and over again because it was just such a good episode. That's right. We'll do it communally, you and I. Will yeah, there you go. And we'll see what resonates <laughs> with us. Different things might resonate. It'll be super substantial. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, hey, till next time. Adios. Thank you for listening to Echoes of Eternity. Make sure to subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating if you like the show. And be sure to tell us your thoughts and what you want Ben and Matthew to talk about in future episodes. Tune in next time to hear more. Eternal Echoes.